Welcome to Jesus Politics, where we bring the scriptures to life and leadership today. Happy Saturday to you. We're joining you a, a day behind this week, uh, having cleared up some internet issues, and uh, we are, are back online. And uh, I think it's, it's an uh, appropriate week uh, to talk about Exodus chapter 10, which was the plague of locusts and the plague of darkness, the last uh, two plagues before the final plague. So uh, in, in these plagues, the, the tone and in, in the direction shifted a little bit from uh, what you saw in chapter 9. Chapter 9, uh, many of those plagues kind of emphasize the separation of the Egyptian people from the Hebrew people, that God can not only um, demonstrate his control over all of these natural events and uh, both cause harm and cause protection, but that he could very clearly distinguish between the lands where the Egyptians lived and worked and the land where the Hebrews lived and worked. And in, in chapter 10, there really isn't a talk about a distinction uh, between the two uh, near as much. And I think part of that is assumed. Those, those plagues are still not being... Um, dropped upon the Hebrews the same way they are dropped upon the Egyptians. But the emphasis has really fallen more on the consequences that has uh, come upon the Egyptians because of Pharaoh's actions. With the plague of locusts, it follows on the heel of the pestilence that took out the Egyptian livestock and the hail that then damaged uh, most of the crops. Here we have the locusts that come in and they swarm and they eat everything. And, and it affects, it says that there is such a swarm that the whole land was just turned dark because of how many of these bugs there were. And they're, they're known for um, not necessarily being very dangerous as one or two or, or even 10 or 20 at a time. But when they swarm in the hundreds and thousands and millions, um, they eat everything. And so it specifically points out whatever crops were left from the, the hail did not damage. And, and at this point, I think we can probably safely assume whether they were upright and still growing or whether it was the food part of them that was on the ground uh, crushed probably too early by the hail, uh, not fully ripe and developed yet. But whatever was left, every green thing, everything that was made from plants, these locusts came in and they ate up. And so then it mentions that it gets into their houses as well. It's not just in the fields. So these locusts are coming in and they're eating not just the, the crops, not just the food, but Egypt was, was known for growing this flax that they made a lot of their clothes out of. And there in the, a very hot environment, it was something cooler and easier to, easier to wear and more practical to wear than animal skins. And so uh, these locusts could have gotten in the homes and ate all the fabric from the clothes, from any kind of furnishings, um, anything 
that was uh, made from this plant life, these locusts could have gotten in and eaten. And so we're, we're not talking a bunch of grasshoppers out in the field that are, are eaten on some of the crops or those bugs that get in your gardens. We're, we're talking something more like massive, massive termite infestation that's eating anything uh, plant life. And so the people come to Pharaoh and, and they're just begging, please make them stop, let them go, let them go. Uh, but there's a distinction in this where they specifically mention the men. And Pharaoh, again, playing this game, says, okay, the men can go out, but the women and children have to stay behind. And I think it's a powerful thing that um, God did not, he wasn't pleased with just having the men come out and worship him. And we know, uh, knowing more at the end of the story, that they, they weren't coming back to Egypt. They were going and they were going to be gone for good. And Pharaoh was not getting that. And they weren't coming right out and telling him that either. They were saying, we need to go out in the wilderness to worship our God. But God was not going to allow that to just be the men. He wanted the whole families. He wanted the women in worship. He wanted the children in worship. It was all of the people together. He wanted to be the God of all of the people, not just the men. And, uh, and we're talking about thousands of years before uh, hardly any civilizations were, were treating men and women and children as well uh, with any sense of equality. Um, and I'm not sure that, that we have a civilization uh, today that really treats men and women and children with that same kind of equality that God was inviting uh, the people here from the Hebrews as they were uh, being taken out of Egypt. God wanted to be the God of all of them, not just some of them. And so Pharaoh, I know, saw this as, uh, as a sort of ransom. You have to come back if you ever want to see your wives and your kids again. And so it didn't work. So then we have the plague of hail. And, uh, and then here at the end, we have this plague of darkness that comes across all the land. And I think that there's a, a very real sense where Pharaoh has, has dealt more and more deceitfully with Moses. It doesn't matter how much or who from his people are coming and begging him, please just let's, let's be done with these people. Let's let him go. They're, they're causing us too much devastation. There's no more livestock. There's no more food. Our homes, our people are damaged. We've been dealing with these boils. Um, this, we're absolutely miserable, and you can't protect us from that. And, and this somewhat final straw is the thick cloud of darkness covers the land, so it says that people can't even see just a step or two in front of them. And they don't leave their homes because they, they, don't, they can't see. They, they all become effectively blind by this. And that, that's sort of how they've been acting spiritually, and Pharaoh in particular playing these games with a God that he, he can't see, not understanding uh, how devastating the consequences are for him uh, if he continues down this road. And God had already declared earlier on that you're getting all the plagues. There's no more negotiation going on. Pharaoh's going to get all the plagues brought down upon him and his people as a consequence of him not relenting and let, letting the people go earlier. Uh, but it, the, in the last moment, 
there's Moses talking with Pharaoh and um, one more opportunity to let the people go. One more opportunity to have Moses go as he has already gone time and again and proven that when Moses goes and intervenes, mediates between Pharaoh and God, pleads for mercy, says Pharaoh's gonna let the people go, the plague stops. We've seen that time and again. And here in this plague of darkness, there's this conversation between Pharaoh and Moses. And Moses is there offering, do you want me to go? Do you want me to go one more time? Are you serious this time? And instead of playing the game, uh, Pharaoh just really becomes probably as, as honest as he has ever been in this uh, encounter. And he just says, the next time I, or if I ever see your face again, you're dead. And Moses says, you will never see my face again. And he doesn't. And, and that, was, that was Pharaoh's last opportunity to save him and his people from uh, the, the plague of death that's, that's going to follow this plague of darkness. He had that opportunity. In fact, I think it was ironic that in that plague of darkness where no one could see anything, where they were just hiding away in their homes, terrified, not knowing what was around them, the only thing that Pharaoh appears to be able to see is Moses. And instead of seeking that, uh, building that relationship and being connected to God through Moses and that, he rejects it and he would rather be stuck in the darkness completely alone by himself uh, rather than have that help that was there available to him. There's again a lot of conversation uh, as, as we've discussed about how much Pharaoh is in control of his choice and how much he's not, how much God is intervening and hardening his heart. And we've seen in the scripture, there's a lot of both going on, not all at the same time, but moments where it's specifically God sort of intervening and bringing him to this point. Uh, but but there, there at the end, he had, he had an opportunity and faced with just being lost in the darkness himself or a chance, a hope of some kind of mercy. He chose to just be lost in the darkness. And it wasn't even a, hey, we're going to negotiate some more. We're going to go back and play this game. It was, a, I'm, I am done and I never want to see you again. Um, that's, that's significant. And I think that there are times when, if we're not careful, we like Pharaoh, can reject God so many times that we find ourselves lost in a kind of spiritual darkness um, that often has physical day-to-day um, -day real life consequences. And instead of taking that as a wake-up call to, to stop and reevaluate and, and turn to God and try to seek him and, and understand the situation better outside of just our own perspective, uh, we just we just dig our heels in and bury our head in the sand and say I'm I'm just sticking here in the darkness and I think that sometimes that feels more comfortable when that's where we've been all along and maybe just didn't realize it but that's not God's will for us that that's that's a that's a consequence and uh, those kind of actions then cause 
uh, further devastation to happen. And I think one of the powerful things about this particular book of the Bible, and, and in this, this really half of the book of Exodus, uh, maybe, maybe first third, is that um, Pharaoh is not making these decisions just for himself. He's making them for his family. He's making them for his people. He's making these decisions for all that he's responsible for. And when we lose sight of who is following us, who, who depends on us, and we, we choose that darkness, not just for ourselves, but for them as well, there, there's, a, there's a consequence to that that we're going to face. So this, this ends very appropriately on, on a kind of dark note uh, and prepares us for the next chapter, uh, which is, is one of the darkest parts of this book. Um, but they always say that it gets darkest right before the dawn and that light, that freedom uh, for God's people is right around the corner. Thank you for joining us for Jesus Politics. We hope to hear from you soon. This is Tony Franklin. Thank you for joining us for Jesus Politics in our journey through Exodus. See you all next Friday.